Church, he is the great I am. Do you agree? He is the great I am in our lives, and I'm glad he is because he's the great I am and we are the we ain'ts, right? And if you've had a tough week or if you're running, kind of going through a tough time in your life right now, he is the great I am. If you are sick right now, he is the great I am. If you have lost a loved one, he is the great I am. If you're having marriage problems today and you're not sure if it'll ever work out, he is the what? The great I am. If you haven't talked or seen your son or or daughter or grandchild because they're away from God today, he is the? If you've lost your job or your business is struggling this week and you're not quite sure how you're gonna make it, he is the? The great I am. And we are so glad that we have a God who is the great I am. We've been traveling with him already in 2021, this great I am. We've been traveling with him as we read God's word. We're gonna be reading God's word throughout the next six months, obviously the whole year, but we're gonna finish it up in six months. And I wanna encourage you that if you haven't started yet, it's okay, jump in. And if you can go back and catch up, great. But it's not about catching up. It's about walking with Jesus. So just start today. Just start with our our Bible reading plan right now and follow God. The last couple of weeks as we've been reading, we've been following the great I am as he led the children of Israel out of Egypt and bondage and into the promised land. Pastor Jonathan last week talked about the call of Moses and how God has put a calling on all of our lives and you need to accept what God is inviting you to do. There are people to be delivered and you are the one that he wants to use to help get them out of bondage and up into a good land, the promised land of his blessing. And so we all have callings on our life. This week then we read that the children of Israel, they came out of bondage. And God, instead of taking them straight up into the promised land, they weren't quite ready yet. As the old phrase says, it took a little bit longer for God to get Egypt out of his people than it was to get his people out of Egypt. So he took them down to Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai. Now this is Jabal Musa, this is the traditional area, we don't know exactly which one, but, but it's the area of Mount Sinai, uh, there in the Sinai Peninsula. My dad actually climbed this years ago with a, a bunch of students uh, when he was studying in the Holy Land and he was there and they climbed it uh, in the middle of the night and they got right up to the peak, right up to the, the summit as the sun was coming up and he sat there quietly and read the 10 commandments. Isn't that a beautiful trip? Let's go. But this is Mount Sinai and God took them down to Mount Sinai. Why? Because they needed a TRO experience. They needed a camp experience. He needed to get them out into the wilderness so that they could follow him and pay attention to him. It was a marriage ceremony. It was a covenant that they were entering into there at Mount Sinai. And so he was showing them, he gave them his laws and and his guidelines. And so Moses is down there before they they go up to the promised land. And so this week, we're at the foot of Mount Sinai in our reading. We're at the base camp before we head out uh, into the trip. And so this week, we got to read Leviticus. Come on now, y'all love Leviticus. Let's give a whoop whoop for Leviticus, 
right? So now, are you all set on mildew in your house? You know what to do? You good? Anybody with skin diseases or scabs, you know what to do, right? Uh, Sacrifices, we're good on those things, right? Building things, you know, know, the tabernacle, setting that all up. Are you really good at that? You say, my word, Lord, why do we have to have this book on all of these regulations? Well, my friend Jim uh, Aikens, a pastor in Georgia, he was laughing this week, and he says, isn't it great to have a God who thousands of years before Dr. Fauci looked at his people and said, listen, if you're sick, cover your mouth and quarantine. Because Leviticus 13, that's what God says. So you can read it there. He says, God cares about our healthiness. He cares about those types of things. And then, of course, we we read Leviticus 18. Are you all clear on sex? You know who it's for and who it's not for, right? I mean, my word, Leviticus 18 is very graphic. But you know what? God loves us enough to tell us the truth and to say this is what it is and this is what it isn't. So we are clear on those types of things. But today, we're not going to look at healthiness. We're going to look at holiness. Once you take your Bibles and open and look at Leviticus 19, we're going to read 18 verses here. And here's what God wants to say. What he wants to say is if we are going to travel with God in 2021, and we're kind of like Israel here, we're God's people. This was for their nation, but we are God's people. And they were at the base of Mount Sinai, and they were getting ready to travel. But before they traveled, God says, I want to teach you some things. Why? You say, I want God to go with us in 2021. I do too. God smiles and says, that's a good request. But here's the deal. If you want to be with me in 2021, then you have to be like me. If you're going to travel with me in 2021, then you better be like me in 2021. That's what he was telling Israel. And who is God? God is holy. So we're going to have to be holy because God is holy. So let's read in verse 1. The Lord spoke to Moses, speak to the entire Israelite community and tell them, be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. What is holiness? Holiness is not legalism that some of you grew up with. Some of you came up in a toxic faith, in a toxic church, and you were beat up with rules. That's not what this is. Holiness is health. Holiness literally means to be clean and set apart for special service. That's all holiness is. It's not legalism. It's being clean and set apart for a special service. Our God is holy. A.W. Tozer said that holiness is the crown on God's attributes. Holiness is what brings all of his attributes together because he is a holy God. And so here's the point of our teaching this morning as we read. There is a holy God on the mountain. And if there's a holy God on the mountain, there has to be a holy people in the camp. So if you want him to go with you this year, you'd better be holy. And you can be. Eight times in this passage today, we're going to see this phrase that we just read, I am the Lord, your God. Matter of fact, anytime we hit the phrase, I am the Lord, you're going to read it out loud with me, okay? And here's what God's saying. I'm going to give you holiness steps, but I'm always tying them back to this. I I want you to do this, but I'm reminding you, I am your God. I am your God. I am your God. You can be holy because God is holy. And in these verses, God is going to restate his 10 commandments from Exodus 20. 
Well, there's one he's not going to hit on, and that's adultery. Why? Leviticus 18. He's covered sex already, but he's going to talk about steps of holiness. So these are sort of like the, the road rules for holiness, the steps that we have to take with God if we want to be holy. Number one, to be holy, we need respect. Respect. Verse three, each of you is to respect his mother and father. You are to keep my Sabbaths. Read it with me. I am the Lord your God. Do not turn to worthless idols or make cast images of gods for yourselves. Read it. I am the Lord your God. So he starts with holiness, and it's interesting, he starts with respect. Why? When in Exodus 20, when he's giving the commandments, he starts by saying, honor your father and mother. Here he says, respect your mother and father. Notice the difference. In Exodus 20, he says, honor. Honor is the word to to have a heaviness, to, to appreciate something. I honor this. And that's a good word. But here he tightens up the covenant. He says, respect. It literally is the word in good King James Version to fear. There is an awestruckness about it. It's not a casual thing. It's I am in awe. I respect this God. And so he wants us to honor our parents, but he wants us to respect them. And in Exodus 20, he starts with honor your father and your mother. But notice, ladies, what he does here. He flips it around. Here he says respect your mother and your father. And the mom said, amen, or a women as it might be in our culture. (laughs) God is saying this, listen, if you're going to learn respect for authority, where does it start? It starts with the first authority in your life. And the first human that you lay eyes on and cry for and feel the touch of is a mama. And mom is that first authority in your life. And so God's saying, if you can't respect your mom and then your dad, when you become aware of God, how are you going to respect him? He says here, he goes on to talk about Sabbath. And he says, remember, in Exodus 20, he says, remember the Sabbath. Here, he says, keep the Sabbath. He's tightening up the contract as they go. That's a way of submitting to God's authority. Don't work seven days. I didn't work seven days. I worked six days, and then I rested, and I want you to do the same, and trust me that if you don't work those seven days, that you will be taken care of, that those six days will be enough. And so God says, I want you to keep the Sabbath. And then he talks about idols. And he says with idols, he says, they are not to be made in our image. We know there's not other gods, right? Idols are simply things that we create to put God in our image. They're our desires. Basically, we're saying we, oh, thank you. We are the authority. We are the authority. And so through this whole passage, basically God is saying, I want you to respect authority. Now, In our culture right now, one of the challenges is we don't respect authority, do we? Right now, and I know there's a lot of real problems. I'm not minimizing that. But I've I've got friends who say, I don't respect anybody. I don't trust anybody right now. I don't trust law enforcement or government or health officials or religious leaders, anybody. Well, here's the problem. If you are not submitted and respecting authority, then, then what are you? You're a rebel. God says to stay under what he's put over us. 
stay under what he has put over us. There's a phrase in a, in a song recently that says, freedom is our religion. Freedom is our religion. Everybody's saying today, well, I want freedom. I want freedom. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. Well, let me ask you again the question. If freedom is your religion, who is your God? If freedom is your religion, who is your God? I'll answer it for you. You are. You are your own God. So God starts by saying, respect authority. Can I ask you the practical step this week? Right now, are you accepting and respecting authority or are you rejecting authority? I'm not talking politics here. I'm saying, are you respecting or rejecting authority? Why? Because holy God on the mountain means there's got to be respect in the camp. Number two, sacrifice. If we're going to travel with God and, and be holy, we need sacrifice. And then these next few verses from verse 5 to verse 8, he reinforces again about a fellowship offering. And when you kill the animal, you're to eat it right away and offer it to God and then burn the rest of it. And he's very meticulous about the sacrifices. Now, I know as we read through Leviticus, it, it gets gory, doesn't it? Isn't it a little depressing? You love animals. I love animals. Animals are getting slaughtered all through the Old Testament. The blood is splattering everywhere. Uh, agnostics sometimes have called Christianity, it's that bloody religion. It is. But here's why. It's not because God hates animals. It's because he's trying to show us, look, your sin stole your life. Your sin was rebellion against the king. You've got to understand how deadly sin is. And even God in the garden, he shed the blood of animals and took their skins off and put it on Adam and Eve to cover them. But praise God, praise God, today, when we read about sacrifice, as Pastor Scott prayed earlier, we didn't have to bring a bull up here. We didn't have to bring a goat and a knife and slit its throat and let the blood spill out over the steps because we have a sacrifice. Hebrews tells us we have a sacrifice that's once and for all. He is Jesus, the Lamb of God. His blood has been shed, and it never has to be shed again. Amen? We are grateful for Jesus. So we don't have to shed blood for sacrifices now, but the principle of sacrifice keeps going. Because all through the New Testament, we're still told to sacrifice to God. Bring to God, honor Him with things, show Him how much you are dependent on Him. So we have to be that kind of people. King David said, I will not offer to the Lord that which costs me nothing. Don't you tip God in 2021. Sacrifice your time, your talent, your treasure. He wants us to sacrifice. Why? Because a holy God on the mountain means that there has to be a sacrificing and sacrificial people in the camp. Generosity, number three. When you reap the harvest of your land, you are not to reap to the very edge of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not strip your vineyard bare or gather its fallen grapes. Leave them for the poor and the resident alien. Read it with me. I am the Lord your God. This is a very practical agricultural thing, but he said, when you get in the land and you farmers, when you bring in your crops, don't pull every stalk in and every grape. Just, just you know, harvest around the middle part and leave the edges. And if you drop some things, it's okay. Why? Because you're going to invite people in who are in need to pick it up. We know this is the, the principle of what? Gleaning. Gleaning. We have an organization called Gleaning for the World. Matter of fact, there's a great book coming up that we're going to read 
that talks about a gleaning story, and it's a love story, and it's the book of Ruth. Ruth. Man, aren't you glad you're going to, don't you wish you could go from Leviticus to Ruth and just get into a love story? By the way, heads up, we're heading into numbers this week. Ancestry.com. Enjoy those genealogies, okay? But God says, here's what he's saying. Don't hoard and don't be selfish. Don't hoard and don't be selfish. So what's the practical thing? There are some farmers here, but, but most of us aren't. But here's the deal. Don't be so selfish with your stuff. Don't be an Ebenezer Scrooge. Don't take every last dime and, and squeeze every last dollar out of everything and not be generous. Don't store up for yourself. Don't hoard and don't be selfish. And here's what he says. Why? Because there are people that are under-resourced around you that are in need and you need to share with them. And specifically, he calls out two groups here, poor people and foreigners, immigrants. If there are foreign people in your country, in your land, in your community, you are to share with them. That is taught all through the Old Testament. Now, it's interesting. Let me be very careful here. This is not a handout, is it? This is not saying, well, you've worked hard and take some of the stuff that you've worked hard for and give it to people. You know, they don't really care. They're not deserving, but just give it to them. Notice what he says. He says, business owners and, and, and farmers and businesswomen, here's what you need to do. You need to be generous and open and share the jobs and the productivity and the fruit of your work with those in need. And then what are they to do? This is important. They are to work. It's a four-letter word. Work. If you share and they work to get it, Together, we pull the culture, the society, the community up. Now, I'm not running for any office, but can I just say this? If we just did this in America, how much would that fix? We share, you work, and together we take care of our, ourselves. Why? Because if there is a holy God on the mountain, there's got to be a generous people in the camp. Number four, honesty. Honesty. This is very practical. Do not steal. Do not act deceptively or lie to one another. Do not swear falsely by my name, profaning the name of your God. Read it with me. I am the Lord. What does this mean? Well, in the Hebrew, let me explain it to you. In the Hebrew here, here's what it means. Don't steal. There it is. Don't be deceptive. Don't lie. Don't pretend to be someone you're not to people around you. Don't deceive people and don't lie to them. And he says, don't take oaths. Don't swear, well, I swear by Thomas Schroeder, or I swear by God, or, you know, I, lots and lots and lots of talk. But here's the deal. He says to do what our granddaddies told us to do, right? If you're doing business, what do you do? You look the man in the eye, you give him a firm handshake, and you say, I'll do it. Now, I understand today we got to have 40-page contracts, but here's what God's Word said. Your word should be your bond. If you say you're going to do it, then do it, and don't swear and don't make all kinds of oaths before God. Why? Because if there's a holy God on the mountain, we've got to have honest people in the camp. Number five, justice. Okay, don't shut me out here. Justice. Favorite word of 2020, right? Justice and unprecedented, right? 
Justice is such an explosive word, we argue about it. But God says, let me give you base community standards on justice. It's very practical. Do not oppress your neighbor or rob him. The wages due a hired worker must not remain with you until morning. Do not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block in front of the blind. But you are to fear your God. Read it. I am the Lord. Do not act unjustly when deciding a case. Do not be partial to the poor or give preference to the rich. Judge your neighbor fairly. Do not go about spreading slander among the people. Do not jeopardize your neighbor's life Read it. I am the Lord. What's he saying here? Justice starts very practically. First of all, don't oppress your neighbor. Don't oppress them. Don't hurt them. Don't steal from them. Don't rob. I heard a lawyer one time uh, speaking, and this was real great. He said, you know what? All of law basically runs down to, comes down to these two ideas. Almost all of the U.S. law comes down to this. Don't hurt people and don't take their stuff. Think about that. Don't hurt people and don't take their stuff. I mean, that's most of the law, isn't it? So he says, don't oppress people. Don't oppress your neighbor and don't rob for them. And then he says what? Pay your bills. Pay your bills. Very practically, he says, don't hold back from your employees. Now, I want to be sensitive. I know it's been a hard economy, and some of you business owners and, and, and leaders It's been a struggle with your finances, but God is very clear. If you told your employees you're going to pay them, then you pay them. You make an agreement with them. He says, take care of your employees. And then he gets very practical. It's really interesting. He says, don't curse a person who is deaf and don't put a stumbling block in in front of a blind person. He gets very specific with people who have disabilities. And there are neighbors. And it's kind of ironic. He says, don't curse a deaf person. Well, if I curse a deaf person, if, unless I, um, lip, they're lip-reading, they can't hear my curse. In other words, I'm going around behind their back and I'm taking advantage of them. He says, don't curse someone who has that kind of need. He says, don't put a rock in front of somebody who's blind. They're trusting you. They can't see where they're going. Don't take advantage or misuse or abuse people that have disabilities or have need, are in need in any way. And then this is one is interesting. We, we talked about that at my life group this past Thursday night. I love my life group, and they're smarter than me, and, and they saw this in the passage. He says, decide judgments without penalizing the rich or promoting the poor. When you decide justice is don't penalize the rich, but don't promote the poor. Now, in America right now, rich people are bad, right? Poor people are good. Just, just morally, if you're rich in here today, you are bad. And if you're poor, you're good. The problem with that is, that's not what God says. God does give warnings to wealthy people because you've got money and you could abuse people. So he does warn wealthy people all through Scripture. And he does love poor people. We've just seen that. He says, take care of those who, who are under-resourced. But notice what he says. He says, don't let their economic standing persuade you about their heart or their moral character. A lot of God's best friends were wealthy. Abraham, Joseph, you know, Daniel, uh, some of those people. But God's saying, listen, just judge fairly. Whether they have money or not should not be the case. And then he says this interesting phrase. He says, do not 
jeopardize your neighbor's life. The Hebrew here actually is, don't stand against his blood. Don't stand by idly while your neighbor is being abused or there's blood that's being taken. We should jump in and help. And what does that mean? Well, literally, if someone in our community is being hurt, if they're being robbed, if there's some kind of oppression or abuse going on, if they're in danger, we should stand up and we should try to help them. In our country right now, justice is argued. Justice, justice, justice. I know it's become a political football. But here's the great thing. Church, we don't have to play politics. Our God says this. If someone is white or black or Hispanic, or Asian, or anything else in your community, and they're being oppressed, or they're being abused, Christians, stand up for them. Don't stand by while their lives are being jeopardized, whether it's a woman or a man, rich or poor, old or, can I say this, who would be the most vulnerable neighbors that we have that we need to stand up for? The youngest of our neighbors, our neighbors that are in the womb. This past week, as we memorialize and we pray and we grieve the sin of our nation, abortion, and the sanctity to life, as we've celebrated that this, this week, we're reminded once again, it's not a political thing. In the Bible, all through the Old Testament, Genesis, Job, Psalms, Isaiah, Jeremiah, God creates life, and God starts life in the womb. And if we end a life in the womb, it's murder. And abortion is wrong. Now, here's what we also quickly need to say, because I know people sitting here right now. If you've gone through this tragedy, I quickly say this. There is hope and healing. Amen? Church, is there hope and healing? Matter of fact, right now, February 1st, our counseling center, our, fam- our uh, ministries, they've got a group starting, another group starting for women who've gone through this horrible, just endured this horrible thing. If you're interested, let us know. We'll get you that kind of support. There's always hope. There's always healing. But God says, stand up for those in need. Why? Because if there's a holy God on the mountain... There has to be justice in the camp. And last of all, number six, a step of holiness. And this is strange. Love. Love? Love in the middle of holiness? Love in the middle of a book about sacrifices and and diseases and health codes? Yes, love is in the middle of holiness. That's why it's not legalism. That's why it's not mean and angry. Because love is in holiness. Do not harbor hatred against your brother. Rebuke your neighbor directly, and you will not incur guilt because of him. Do not take revenge or bear a grudge against members of your community, but love your neighbor as yourself. Read it again. I am the Lord. What does he say here? Don't hate people. Can I just say this? In our nation right now, people are hating everybody. In the church, Christians are hating everybody. Here's what God says. Stop it. Stop hating. Rebuke them. Go to them if there's a problem. And don't do it on social media. Stop it. 
Stop the rebuking and the hatred on social media. We are God's family. Come on. No revenge, no grudge. Who are you seeking revenge against? Who are you holding a grudge against? Some of you all live in life like it's a season of Cobra Kai. They hurt us, so we'll hurt them. Then they hurt us. And then we Stop it. God says, don't get revenge and don't hold a grudge. Who are you getting revenge against? Who are you holding a grudge against? And then he says this, these beautiful golden three little words, love your neighbor. In the middle of a book on holiness, God says, stop and says, let me, let me tell you something. Love your neighbor. Why? Because it's the second great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. But the second commandment is found right here in Leviticus. Did you know that? Love your neighbor. Why? Because holy God on a mountain means that we've got to have a loving people in the camp. A young man came to Jesus one day and says, well, love, love people. I don't know who. I don't know how. Well, I would say if you don't know how to love your, your neighbor, go back and read verses 1 through 18. God gives us some practical things. But then notice who he has said here in this passage. Who are we to love? We're to love our neighbor, our employees, poor people, rich people, deaf people, blind people, foreigners, family. In other words, we are to love everybody. Love God. Holiness is what God requires of us. We have a holy God. He is a holy God on the mountain, and he expects a holy people in the camp. And to be holiness, we need to take these steps in 2021. This week, you need to start this. Respect, sacrifice, generosity, honesty, justice, and love. And when we take these steps, very practical neighborly steps, we are showing our God that we want to be holy like him. We are here at the foot of the mountain, and if you want to travel with God this year, God, I want you in 2021. I want you to come with my family and my business and at my school. Great. And God says, you've got to be like me. You have to imitate me. And who am I? I am God. I am holy. Now, this God who's on the mountain wants to go with us. And we are not at the foot of Mount Sinai, but we are physically sitting at the foot of a mountain, Liberty Mountain. Okay, those of you from Colorado are going, no, nah, it's not really a mountain. You got to town right, where's Liberty Mountain? Oh, it's a little hill. But church, we're here poised at the beginning of, of another year to serve God. There's a lot of hard things ahead of us, isn't this? Our, our nation is divided and fractured, and our nation needs to see holy people, doesn't it? They need to see holy people, and God's going to lead us through it. 2020 was hard. I don't know how your year started out. My year started out one month ago. My mother-in-law died of COVID. We're grieving that. Uh, the first week of January, my son was in the hospital, UVA, for yet another surgery, and he's okay. So we're starting 2021 like, almost like the last four years for our family. But you know what? I can say this honestly before you folks. God is good. God is good. And I, once again, even as I was reading this this week, I am committed again this year to walking with this God. I trust this God. He's a holy God. 
I trust him. I trust him. I know this God is going to get me to the end of 2021 just like he got me to the end of 2020. He's a holy God, and he wants to travel with you. But let me remind you, if you want to go with God this year, you have to be like God, and you can. I want us all to stand together. And as we pray today, I'm going to, our pastors and prayer counselors are going to be down front. And if you need hope or healing, maybe one of those things I mentioned today, you come and talk with them. But church, we're going to pray and we're going to sing our way out because we have a good God. So let me pray for us. Father, thank you so much that you are the great I am. And you are holy, and you met Moses on that mountain and those people. And God, you meet us now here where we're at. Thank you that you sacrificed your son Jesus to be the Lamb of God, and we can have strength for the journey. Holy Spirit, thank you that you fill us with with courage and encouragement every day. God, if anybody is listening and they've never accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior, may they come and do it today. But Father, for the rest of us, help us just to be like our dad today throughout this year, to be holy. Thank you, God. In your name we pray. Church, let me ask you a question. Is this your God? Now, that's weak. I got to hear it longer. Is this your God? Will you travel with him this year? And if you will, it's going to be an incredible 2021. Let's sing as we go out, thinking about the holiness of God. No greater song to sing to this as we leave. Sing it out. You are holy. There is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder.
And I want to thank you for joining with us together today as we see what it is that God has done for us all. And today, if you've made a decision for Christ, or if you would like to talk further about what it is that God has done for you in the giving of His Son, Jesus, I would encourage you to email me at the address that is on the screen, pastor at trbc.org. We would love to connect with you to help you begin a brand new journey with Christ. If you would like to help contribute to our ministry as we take this message of the gospel around the world, go to the link on the screen today and help us help others with an amazing message of God's love.